that's about it. How do you want to kick this off? I want to say that, so this is, this is not exactly an off-field landing of the week, all right? It's sort of an off-field landing of the week, but it caught my attention. I thought it was amusing. Ah, um, uh, that's why this, this, this tab is open in my, yes, okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. what do we got here? Let me open this thing here. So, uh, yeah, this is not an air, well, it is an aircraft. It's a hovercraft. All right. It's uh, a hovercraft. Yeah. Bar Harbor. This is a, from a tweet, Twitter um, tweet. Uh, Bar Harbor, Maine, uh, the large hovercraft that made an emergency landing on Hampton, New Hampshire, in Hampton, New scare Hampshire. Scare quotes. Scare quotes are necessary here. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, due to it, due to a tear, apparently a tear in the uh, skirting there. Um, and it's, I guess it's been repaired and it's gone. But uh, I, I, it caught my attention because they, they called it an emergency landing. Yeah. That's what I thought was, you know. So uh, I. I guess I, I never occurred to me that those things, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they just have to go ashore because that's a better place to repair it. Um, I, I, Because I, I've always assumed that even if the fans stop working, that thing would float. Um, and the skirts don't provide flotation. I mean, they provide some, but not critical flotation. I don't know. Um, Do you know anything about hovercrafts? I know nothing about hovercraft except that um, they're infinitesimally easier to mo- maneuver when the skirt's inflated. I'm sorry. I'm sp- when the skirt is inflated, infinite like it, it, only it, the it, slightest it, bit more easy no, 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 or no, no, no. much I, I mean, easier. I, I meant to say. I meant to say. Uh, uh, um, in, infinitely is, is infinitely the word more. I, yes, that's okay. the word I want to use. Yeah, that would make sense to me because yeah. the skirt mm-hmm. is how. Yeah, right. The, yeah. Ah. Yeah. As a, they are infinitely easier to maneuver when yeah. the skirt is inflated. Yeah. So. Um, that may be, uh, and you know, you got to get the, <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the, the glue and the Velcro, I mean, the, the, uh, vulcanization kit out of the toolbox and, yeah, and, uh, tire. Uh, get, it's a tire repair kind scrap, of situation. Yeah. Get some scrap inner tube and, 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 you know, glue all this stuff together. So I can say where they wouldn't want to do this, you know, out in the middle of the river or something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's two pictures here. Um, uh, one is of of the of a hovercraft. I presume it's not necessarily the the one that I think it's. I think it's the hovercraft. Yeah, but, uh, guys, I've seen saw a picture of this earlier on. Yeah, and then um, it's, it came ashore. I'm trying to figure out if I recognize that beach. Um, it says it's in Hampton, New Hampshire, which is definitely my ch- stomping grounds here. Um, and uh, is that is that a river? Or, I mean, is that a, is that a beach beach? Is that an ocean or is that? A um, I believe. Well, that's a good question. What does it say here? Uh, uh, it was because uh, it looks kind of like a river. Hampton. It's it's probably not a river because there aren't many rivers in. There's only one river in New Hampshire that would be big enough for this thing to really operate on, and that's up in Portsmouth. That's not near Hampton. Um, so uh, see now, if I wasn't talking to you on the podcast, this is Bar Harbor. Well, that's that's where apparently it's based, and they saw it there later okay. on. The, the tweet oh, says okay, yeah. that that it, the emergency landing was in Hampton, New Hampshire, um, and although there is a major recreate, you know, kind of um, um, vacation, you know, kind of you know, go to the beach, beach um, at Hampton. Um, there's a lot of other beaches along the shoreline that would be called Hampton, and that's what this looks like because it's got a you know gravelly beach here, and a lot of people checking out the uh, the uh, hovercraft so uh, i don't know so i wonder how it works so i wonder you know do they have emergency procedures do they uh what happens when they discover that the you know the uh the skirt is is deflating i wonder if they do, i don't know why i'm asking you you have no idea I, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm sure they have some kind of an emergency procedure 
Um, but um, <laughs> this is I, we're just this is us. This is this us is taking us. taking the idea that we talk about things we know nothing about. This is we're taking it to a whole this, new level here. This is this is perfection, perfection. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, who would have thought hovercraft do emergency landings? Uh, uh, so I guess I don't know. It's not a well. The landing's well, a landing. I don't know. That's a, yet another example. Maybe maybe this is just yet another example about how airplane terms all come from naval terms, and that uh, I mean, think about it for a second. Why do we call bringing our airplane back to the ground a landing? Um. All right. I mean, because that's that's a that's a that's a maritime we're, term. We're we're touching down on land. Uh, true, and that certainly is the connection, but. But it's really, it's really a maritime term, right? I mean, I bet if we did the research, we'd discover that for hundreds of years, the arrival of a ship at at a port or is was called a landing. They're making a landing, all right. And so this is like yet another example: it's like pilot and landing, and um, you know all these things. So, anyways, why? What's going on? You just cursed, and I have to bleep that. I was, I was, yeah. So I was um, trying to get a definition. Of landing. Of landing. I like it. Fine. Yeah, do okay. that. Okay. An act or process of one that lands. Okay. Well, okay. I'm sorry. Not You can't define a word with the word. That's against going, the rules. Going or well, to land is, is as opposed to landing. Yeah. Uh, a going or bringing to the surface, such as land or shore, after a voyage or flight. Ah, okay. See? Okay. All right. Um. You know, there's you know a little drop down here. What are the two types of landing? I would say good and bad. But <laughs> yeah, uh, right. <laughs> no, all right. Well, it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. Great and disastrous is really um, only two. You know, it's like. Oh, well, and here's bold method: eight different types of landing. Uh oh. Uh, well, okay, no, let's, okay. Let's all right. Let's so uh, let's just what, let the link let yeah, the link take us where it's going. Yeah, to take absolutely. Us. What are the okay. eight types so of landings? One. Power off landing, short approach. Got it. Two, normal landing. I'm glad they got that in there. Okay, yeah. Three, short field landing. Yeah. Four, soft field landing. Yeah. Five, touch and go, which is, I'll come back to that. Yeah. Go ahead. Stop and go. Precision oh. spot landing. Oh, they're stretching it here. Okay, yeah. These cleared people, for the well, option. This is not a great example of their this work. This is not a great example. Yeah. No. I would, I would, I would roll all this back to the good and bad part. There's, there's yeah. a, it's a two-sided right. coin, right? Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. but, uh, all right. So touch and go. Um, I think that shouldn't be on the list. I think because you're going to make a certain type of yeah. an approach and a certain type of touchdown. Yeah. When you conduct a touch and go. Yeah. And what happens next is not really. Uh, um, uh, a landing. Yeah. No, I okay. agree. A touch and okay. go. You, you you do one of those other kinds of landings and then right. do a touch and go. Right. And yeah. then, then then what you do next is, is and, you know, interesting side note here, the FAA has never defined the phrase touch and go. Oh, really? Okay. Now, yeah. A lot of my girl, ex-girlfriends have. Now, now. Now, right. now. Okay. okay. Yeah, See, you're going to make me bleep you again. Yeah, I, know. Right. I know. I know. I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I I don't want to go any further down that okay. path. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so touch and go, stop and go, which is the same thing. Yeah. Well, no, and stop then, and go is a landing. No, 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 no. Let me come back to that too. Okay. Because the eight, the last one here is cleared for the option. So when you're cleared for the option, you're cleared for what? 
I yeah right. So you're, you're clear, clear for to, touch and go and the stop these. and go right. yeah right and the low pass and uh, whatever you, the hell Did, else applies. I don't have this in front of me. Did they actually call cleared for the option to be a type of landing? That's what yes yes that's the that's the last one. It's All the right. eighth. That's the eighth one right. in this in this list. All right. You know, so, it's the internet. You need lists. You need you know. Listicles are well. Are, you know, the more you lists know. you can have, the more items in the list. No, see, I don't know. I don't want to put this on bold method because they're good people. But uh, in some places, we'll 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 pack the list because it allows them. It gives them more intersections to put advertising. Um, and uh, so, anyways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, all right, I, was, well, I was following a link earlier today about the Orlando airport being closed. Okay. Shut down or something like that. All right. What in the world is this all about? Yeah. And I clicked the link and, and I was greeted with with uh, what would be in a Word document a good solid page of nothing uh, in the way of, 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 of information. Yeah. Mostly just fluff and mixed in with a lot of ads. And finally I get to the gist of the, uh, the article way the hell down in where it says um, the airport was, was – um, um, a ground stop was put into place for flights arriving uh, Orlando, uh, arriving and departing Orlando for thunderstorms in the area. Uh, I'm like, come on, the FAA does that all the time. They they do that with, with, you know, I I follow various airports and Orlando is not one of them. But, you know, yeah, I get a note every time they're closed or there's a ground stop or something like that because of weather or mechanicals or or whatever. And and that was the same thing. It's just kind of frazzling. Well, it's like, yeah, okay. Now we're definitely getting away from our aviation podcast subject. This is the worst part. Well, maybe not the worst, but one of the worst parts of the internet these days, all right, uh-huh, is that it, it's all about clickbait, all right? Mm-hmm. It's it's all about making a headline that makes you want to click it, which it obviously was. You, this is the way you described it. You saw a headline, and it made you want to click it, all right? And then once you click it, first of all, more it's amazing how often the story that you're going to is based on a tiny little snippet of information, okay? Right. Um, and then what they do is they pad the story out with a whole bunch of graphs um, leading up to the little snippet, all right, uh, because that gives them more paragraphs to insert ads in between. And uh, you see this all the time. I've gotten it's becoming really kind of discouraging. Yeah, but, yeah uh, I agree. I but agree. that's not an aviation. So, anyways, uh, 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 hovercraft. Uh, uh, congratulations! Hovercraft. Congratulations yeah. for the off-field landing of the week here. The hovercraft people managed to uh, get their craft on the ground safely. Um, and, it was uh, touch and go there for a while, oh, so to speak. Oh yeah. Okay. Welcome. Oh, you know what I wanted to say? Oh no, no. We have landings. I did have one more joke about landings. Landings. Yeah. <clears throat> landings. Oh, let's see if I can do this here. Landings are landings are sort of like chocolate and sex. All right. You know. Uh, you can never get enough of both. Well, that's maybe. Um, um, uh, when when it's good, it's great, and when it's bad, it's still pretty good. <laughs> Welcome, folks. To, uh, I, 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 yeah, I knew that was. I should have known that was coming. Yeah. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation <clears throat> Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from high atop the shores of the Cochico River here in Dover, New Hampshire, talking to my good friend uh, from. I'm sorry, I'm doing these really differently today. Uh, it's just me and Jeb today, and uh, we're just kind of gonna blather on about whatever we blather on about hopefully some of it will be clickbait worthy and that people will actually listen um but uh uh, from somewhere near sarasota florida that's jeb burnside hi jeb how you doing i'm all right yeah Um, yeah i'm chalking up a few um completed projects this week oh yeah good so uh i uh 
yeah feel feel productive more more so than normal anyway. right right i'm uh i'm just back as i was telling you before we start before we pressed record i'm just back from a, a week or actually four four or five days in washington dc which was a lot of fun i uh i uh so i had one morning off to myself and uh, I invested it in going to the uh, National Museum of American History, I think mm-hmm. is what they call it. All right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the popular culture one. It's not, not the one that has like dinosaurs and, right. you know. That's, that's natural history. That's natural history. And it's not the art one, which I, I would have liked to go there too. But I've always wanted to go to this American history one. So American history is the one where they have all kinds of pop culture. I mean, some of them are pop culture and some of them are genuine. So it was really fascinating. I, I knew I didn't have enough time to do it justice. But boy, did I not have enough time to do it justice. Uh, oh, and, yeah, yeah. This is really great. I had about two and a half hours to spend in this museum. And I thought, oh, this will give me time to kind of zoom through everything and just kind touch everything um and i literally had to zoom through i mean i could have spent two and a half three hours on every each of the three floors of this place right right? um they have some fascinating um exhibits on on transportation uh, particularly land transportation like trains and early cars and and uh, uh that kind of thing um they have Julia Child's kitchen. Oddly enough, this is one of the most interesting things. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit of a home cook. I like my kitchen, and uh, and they have recreated. So I knew this from the publicity material that they had Julia Child's kitchen there. They were really touting this, but I thought that what they had done is recreated her TV studio kitchen. All right, I had imagined uh-huh. that someplace. In a, in a TV station, there was a set that was a uh-huh. kitchen working, but a set, and that was what they recreated. That's, that's what I would have thought, too. No, all right? Oh. Tr- two things misguided about that. First of all, what they had there was, so she used to live in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I met okay. her, actually, once, another story altogether. Mm. Um, and uh, um, she lived in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and she had a kitchen in her house there in Cambridge that was her personal home kitchen um and so it was very personal it was and that's what they recreated in the museum they basically you know i'm sure they took a bajillion pictures and then collected all their stuff and then built this exhibit space and you can walk all the way around it there's glass on all four sides and you can kind of look in on it and you can so you can see all the counter space and all the you know sinks and and stoves and and uh, are you still there jeb are you there? You are. Okay. Are you? Can you hear me, Jeb? Yeah. Okay. What happened? So I got quiet there for a second. I, I wondered if you went away. Um, yeah. So Julia Child's kitchen. So it's actually her home kitchen, um, which was really fascinating. First of all, it wasn't very huge. I mean, it was bigger than my kitchen, but it wasn't very huge, and it was just packed with stuff. It was really fascinating to spend time looking at it and seeing, oh, look, she's got those kinds. And that's how she stores her pots and pans. And this is where she puts all her knives, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And this is the kind of storage she has for her cutting boards. And that, it's pretty fascinating. I really enjoyed that more than I expected. And by the way, this was not only her home kitchen. This was, in fact, the studio. Really? Where they, they brought in cameras and recorded the, what did they call it? The French Chef, I guess, or the Julia Child Show, or whatever they called yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah. It was recorded in her home. Because one, huh. one of the things they had recreated in this recreation of her kitchen was um, a big honking piece of pipe strung across the top, the ceiling. All right? The lighting. Because that's where they hang lighting and, uh-huh. so that they could do the show. So that was fascinating. Um, what else? The uh, uh, We're going to talk about airplanes any minute now, well, I promise. Yeah, anytime I think about Julia Child, yeah. I think about the old Saturday Night Live skit where Ackroyd 
probably you know chops his thumb off or something. His, yeah, blood, right, blood everywhere. Yeah, right. I know. Right. Um, real quickly, I, I back way way back my twenties or something like that. Um, I worked in a stationery store in in Harvard Square, Cambridge. Uh-huh. Um, and she would come into our store from time really? to time. Yeah. Um, so I never really met her exactly. I was just sort of in this cause we never took care of her. Like yeah. the manager would rush out to help Julia child. Um, but I, we'd, we'd all kind of hide around, you know, hide behind the shelves and just kind of watch from, from a little distance. And two things to, to, to observe about Julia child. First of all, she was genuinely tall. Wow. Was she tall? Yeah. All right. She had to be six and a half feet tall. Right? She was wow. really tall. And second of all, that, that, that uh, signature voice of hers, mm-hmm. not only the accent, but the kind of, I don't know, the, the tone of the voice, uh-huh. very real. That was her, all right? Um, that was Julia Child. So anyways, I got to see her. Yeah. Um, one last American History Museum thing I thought that really I, took me by surprise. They have there the actual Star Spangled Banner, all right? Oh, really? The actual, so what remains of the actual flag that really? was raised over the fort in Baltimore that huh. prompted, what's his name, Francis Scott Key, to write the national anthem, all right? Um, and uh, and the, the, according to the stories they have posted there, the provenance is pretty clear. This is the, this is the flag, all right? Wow. Um, the, because it went from the fort to, like, somebody who was the commander of the fort, and it was in that person's family for a while, and it got displayed occasionally. And um, it, it's there's documents all the way along the line. So this huh. is the flag. It's huge. It's huge, all right? Um <laughs> And you, you, you can't really touch it and pick up the corner. And no, see, no, so no, no. Well, it's made it, in China. Right? And yeah, right. I know. No, you can't do that. Um, but apparently, people did that for so many years that it's tattered, and there are pieces cut out of it because they either gave them away as gifts or people stole pieces. Um, and now, it's to preserve it, um, so there's when it first it first was put on display at the Smithsonian, um, it was out in the open and the sun was shining on it, and that was a bad idea as it turned out. So now um, it's in this glass enclosed room um, that's dark. You know, I mean, really? it's like really dimly lit. All right, but there it is, the actual Star Spangled Banner. That was very cool. Okay, amazing. We better talk about airplanes because yeah, uh, <laughs> um, elsewhere. In the the Smith the Pantheon of the Smithsonian, yes, they have two other museums. Yeah, one is Air and Space at on the Mall, but of course, and then there's the uh, uh, Dulles yeah. Annex. Yeah, and they're both. I've been to both of those, and yeah. they're they're yeah. excellent museums. Oh, they are. They're just um, amazing. I, I wanted to kind of do a little you know variety this time, so. Uh, yeah, so I was in D.C. Um, air, aviation thing about D.C. Interesting. So I was uh, this. I think I was maybe walking. Maybe I was walking back from the museum, whatever, but I was walking around. So I I, I was staying um, at the corner of Pennsylvania Avenue and 14th Street, Yav. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And one day I went for a little walk. So I went walking down 14th, down to the mall, and then uh-huh. I took a left along the end, edge of the mall. Um, and then I think I went one big block and took another left and walked back to Pennsylvania Avenue. And as I was on the mall and then walking down whatever that street was, 13th or whatever, um, a helicopter comes overhead, all right? And I'm going, well, this is interesting, all right? And so I, I looked up to watch this helicopter, and I thought it would be like military, all right? Um, but it was not obviously military mark. It was not very high. I mean, it was maybe a couple hundred feet. Um, and it came, it flew over me there um, on whatever that is, 13th Street. And then it, and then it veered over almost towards the Washington Monument. 
And I thought, okay, hmm. it's just circling and going to head. You know, I mean, first you go, is this some poor soul who's lost and his, his oh, life yeah, is about right, to change? Right. All right. Um, but I'm relatively certain that it wasn't. Um, and because this this airplane, the airplane, this helicopter, um, loitered in the area for like 20, 30 minutes, I circling, just just maneuvering all over that part of D.C. So basically, to the to the east of the washington monument you, you you couldn't determine what type it was no i'm not heli- i don't really recognize yeah. helicopters i kept looking to see if it had markings like a, you know, a tv or police i mean more than likely no. it was law enforcement no, it was it was park police i'm yeah. pretty sure yeah um but it didn't have any obvious markings it was not painted in kind of you know the kind of dark right. colors that you would expect from a right. military aircraft um and it just was going round and round i mean you know not not perfect circles but it was kind of loitering and around and around and different different paths each time um i don't know if he was looking for something or there, there wasn't any obvious well, it's I, I agree it's unusual uh and they probably were looking for something or someone or, yeah. or you know a car or, or something um it, it would be you know i spent a lot of time in that area over the years yeah, yeah so, um, it would be unusual yeah so anyways that was yeah. my my visit to DC, and uh, I took the train down. I didn't fly down. That was kind of interesting. I liked the train. Oh, I want to hear more about that sometime. Oh yeah. When we're on the the train, the, the Northeast Corridor uh, uh, Corridor uh, Amtrak Corridor uh, yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. I took the Acela. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, it was very pleasant. Yeah. It was a very pleasant ride from basically Boston down to DC and yeah. Union Station. What a beautiful building! Holy yeah. moly! Yeah. Uh, I know. Um, anyways. All right. Sorry, folks. Back to airplanes. Back to airplanes. Uh, I, I've lost the list here. Hang on a second. Where did it go? Uncontrolled airspace. Here it is. Okay, here we go. What's next on the list? Oh, there's nothing next on the list. There's nothing next. We, did, we didn't do that. Yeah. Um, what do you want to talk uh, about? What's going on? Well, there, one of the things, uh, a couple of things on the list that you know, I want to kind of chat about a little bit. One of them um, is Airmanship 101. Uh, it's been a year or so. Um, uh, since let me look, let me open this and I'll tell you exactly where. Yeah, it's almost almost two years. Yeah, which story um, are we talking about here? We're talking about the uh, engine mix-up led to seven thirty-seven ditching. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Airmanship one hundred and one. When you're Oops. flying a twin, know, is, right. is to uh, identify, verify, and secure uh, the the uh, uh, recalcitrant engine. And uh, here's a crew on a, on a seven thirty-seven coming out of Honolulu. Um, that apparently had, um, um, uh, according to the final report, the Transair cargo flight had just taken off from Honolulu with the first officer flying when they heard a thud and the pilot flying correctly assessed that the right engine had lost some power. As the crew worked the problem, the first officer reduced power on both engines to slow the plane to a target speed of 220 knots and subsequently mixed up the engines and told the captain it was the left engine that was affected. The captain accepted the first officer's assessment and did not take action to verify the information. Captain took control, yada, 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 reduced power on the good engine, and here we are. Yeah, oops. Um, that's uh, embarrassing. That's, um, that's rather. But it's not, un- I mean, as I, I'm not, it, I'm no, I'm nothing like, you know, twin trained, but from hearing people talk about it, um, this is one of the big things you train for, right? Is, well, it is. It's part of the, as I say. How the, to the, identify which engine's out. Right. Yeah. The ritual is identify, verify, yeah. secure. And um, they ident- he apparently incorrectly, correctly identified the failed engine at first, but then in cockpit communication, 
um, named the other engine as the as the bad one. Ouch. And yeah. there you go. When you're in an airplane, so you've you've done you are in fact um, um, twin rated um, in in um, propeller aircraft. They call it multi engine rated. Multi engine. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that's why you're the trained one, and I'm 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 just the podcast. <laughs> Audio editor. Um, I vaguely remember. So something there was something about how one of the ways that you could identify because I and I I accept that it's not easy to recognize that weird things are going on in the aircraft at that moment. Um, The propeller hasn't necessarily stopped on the bad engine, so you can't just look and 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 it had isn't is there something about um, the way the the rudder inputs you need to put in to keep the airplane straight that tells you something about isn't there like an a, a, a a saying there, there is it's called dead foot dead engine yeah okay yeah um so but but, but what does dead foot mean this is what okay, i want to yeah. that's what i was going to explain yeah um typically in, in a conventional twin um and i'm just going to use a piston twin as an example here um seven threes you know obviously going to have more and more details shall we say but um um you're cruising along at cruise power or high power situation whatever and one engine quits um or loses power, whatever, the airplane's going to yaw. Yep. And the um, rudder input necessary to correct the yaw is going to necessarily be on the side of the airplane with the good engine because that good engine is, is in fact, forcing the yaw. Let's, let's say the right engine is the working engine. You're holding... Uh, the right engine then is pushing the nose to the left to correct that and maintain heading. You're going to apply right rudder. Okay. Okay. And hopefully you'll have enough rudder authority to, to uh, right. maintain the desired heading. So what's your left foot doing all this time? You're basically nothing. So the mantra is dead foot, dead engine. The Got left it. engine is the one that has failed. Got it. And you, of course you do in fact verify that, uh, um, in a, in a variety of different ways, not least of which is the engine gauges. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the other things, too, you know, this, I got kind of got into a conversation, for lack of a better term, with my with a, an instructor years ago about this. You know, he wanted me to do this procedure much more quickly mm-hmm. than I was comfortable. Um, doom, 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 doom. I see. Uh, okay. And I was like, no, I don't think that's the real, real... Uh, critical factor here i think critical factor here is getting it right the first time mm-hmm. and if you if you rush me or if you rush anybody or if you try to do this procedure quickly you're much more apt to screw it up so yeah. let's let's do this slowly considered let's do this uh deliberately um and let's make sure that we're doing it correctly before we feather the good engine yeah so because, that's yeah. because you feather the good engine, there's always a chance it might not come out of feather. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, you've read way more accident reports than I have. And even I've seen many where people talk about they shut down or somehow disabled the good engine uh-huh. instead of the bad one yeah. and uh, yeah. witness the 737 crew. Well, that's yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's that, that was, you know, one one little loop closed. Everybody's like... Why, how did they? How did they di- manage to ditch a perfectly good seven thirty seven? Well, yeah. the answer was it wasn't a perfectly good seven thirty seven, but, but, but um, 
um, it became less good when they killed when they secured the wrong unit. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but, like uh, I said, oops. Okay, yep, that's, I uh, hate when that happens. Hate yeah. it when that happens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let's uh, see what else here. What do we got here? You want uh, you want to pick one? Or? Uh, well, I'm going to pick a important to me, but someone shout out. I have a shout out here ah. to uh, to a student here from Dover, New Hampshire. All right, this is a story I found. Let's see what's this story. Who's the source here? This is from oh, this Dover is w- High School student yeah. selected for. Okay. Yeah, this is a, this is WMUR, the big TV station here in New Hampshire, in Manchester, um, on their website. New Hampshire high school student, one of just twenty eight across the United States, selected for Navy's Summer Flight Academy. It says oh, here. Good for him. Yeah, Dover High School student uh, Jack McGee is one of just twenty eight students who's going to this uh, this program. It's an intensive, according to the story, it's an intensive eight week program at D two Aviation Program. I don't know where that is um but uh and as part of the training mcgee will earn his private pilot's license and five count them five college credits um oh, really he'll be off doing this starting in july so uh congratulations to my uh my fellow dover resident uh, jack mcgee for for uh for this is uh, the beginnings of a of a, a great life and a great career potentially yeah there's a, there's a d2 flight academy yeah um which is a uh Training uh, uh, organization in um, North Carolina, of all places, mm-hmm. near New Bern, uh, North Carolina. So that's interesting. Well, I, the story is very terse. For all we know, that's yes, it, though. Yeah. Um, and uh, short yeah. and quick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting. Congratulations interesting. to yeah. to Dover resident Jack McGee. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Um, what else? That was just a little one. Let's see now. We got this. Yeah, we got. Uh, uh, we did our off landing. We did our engine mix up. Um, we're going to stay away from that next one. <laughs> I'm not even going to say it out loud. Uh, um, uh, yeah, well, yeah. really, you want to go there? Your podcast too, man. It's your well, podcast too. The the it's it's part of a larger story. Okay, tell us. Okay. Tell us. The larger story has to do with. Um, you know, I have to give the mandatory or uh, yeah, no, no, um, you're in it now, man. Just do the do chronological it right. review. Yep. Longtime listeners will will remember. Yeah, uh, when we first started this podcast, one of the issues that Dave and I especially were very hip on was FAA reauthorization. Yep, we talked it up a good bit, and and I hope uh, many of our listeners chimed in with their elected officials and yada yada. Right. Uh, it's back, mm-hmm. um, and winding its way through the legislative process this year is another FAA reauthorization bill. Uh, as in the past, um, the FAA's been uh, working uh, typical typical for federal agency, and certainly the FAA working under a uh, um, authorization that is that kind of has a, a, a sunset to it. It can be three, four, five years. I think this one's a five-year bill. Uh, the one, the one we're actually working on, the one we're actually operating under right now, is it was a five-year bill. It expires September 30 of 2023. Okay, and uh, Congress is is uh, on the case, as it were. Um, most recently, a couple of weeks ago, or a week or so ago, the House Transportation and Infrastructure Full Committee approved a uh, uh, an FAA reauthorization bill. Um, uh, sending it to the House floor. Uh, not sure when that's going to when it's going to go to the floor and be voted upon, but there it is. Um, the same process is is cranking up in the Senate side, and uh, uh, dissension 
has reared its ugly head. No, no. That I never know. happens and in DC. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, and the, the topic uh, happens to be um, pilot training. And uh, specifically the old 1,500-hour bugaboo uh, for um, first officers, for anybody to get an air transport pilot certificate, which um, the... Uh, uh, which is kind of minimum uh, uh, minimum entry uh, credentials for the, okay. for an airline career. Yep. Um, so uh, there's a lot of things going on uh, in that overall topic. Um, there are uh, proposals to increase the mandatory retirement age from 65 to 67. There are proposals to uh, require or or, or uh, allow, shall we say, substitution of certain types of training, and I would guess maybe either simulator or classroom training, um, in lieu, to, to replace some of, not all, but some of the required 1,500-hour minimum. Uh, there are probably other uh, things going on here, um, uh, depending on um, um, which bill we're talking about and depending on which uh, industry segment is, is pushing them. Actually, you can break this down the following way. ALPA does not want to extend the uh, ALPA and the airline pilots organizations as a rule do not want to extend the uh, the mandatory deadline, mandatory retirement age, I should say, from right. 65 to 67. Yeah. Typical feather bedding. I, I get it totally, you know, understood. Sure. And there's, there are, of course, uh, medical and, and other um, real issues associated with that two-year extension. And we don't know how to deal with those as an industry or as a society, for that matter. Um, so um, that's probably a non-starter. Um, the whole um, idea of substituting certain types of training for um, uh, flight experience comes out of the Regional Airline Association or and and uh, um, oper- smaller operators, if you will, who. Uh, um, have, have taken it in the shorts in a, in a lot of ways over the last few years, um, not least of which is it's impossible uh, for them to find and retain qualified pilots. Qualified means 1,500 hours uh, to fly um, um, regional uh, airliners, regional right. Uh, uh, operations. Right. When those say, that same pilot with 1,500 hours is in demand uh, with the major airline. Right. To fly heavier equipment over longer routes. Right. Okay. Um, so something's got to give, and what's given, if you will, what what has what has gave, as it were, um, is um, pilots with fifteen hundred hours are opting to go to the majors or or something other than a regional carrier, leaving the regional carrier uh, uh, strapped, hard strapped, to find um, um, yeah. a, a, a competent crew. Yep. Um, and. What some of the regionals are trying to do is is get this uh, education slash training in lieu of uh, accrued uh, flight time right. uh, to be enacted, and that's resulting in uh, stalling of the Senate bill. And according to uh, um, let's let me just check this link real quick. Um, yeah, this is Yahoo News, but uh, actually picked up from Politico, but. Um, um, Senator Duckworth, um, 
former Army helicopter pilot, injured, uh, uh, severely injured, uh, in the sandbox several years ago, uh, and uh, Senator Kristen Cinema are at odds uh, about uh, all of this. And in fact, um, the phrase "blood on your hands" has been bandied about in the Senate right. uh, between these two, um, and. Uh, that's kind of sort of where things stand. The, 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 the problem is escalating. The fight is escalating, as it were. Right. And um, uh, it's, it's, if it didn't have a lot of uh, impact, it would be just educational to watch. Um, but this does have some impact down the road. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how this comes out. Uh, um, to to uh, put my own two cents in, um, since... Um, the uh, the Buffalo well let me let me back up a lot of this has to do with the uh, crash uh, of a Dash Eight um, regional turboprop uh, near Buffalo New right. York I don't right. remember this the, was the weird the, icing stall situation. yeah this is a weird icing stall situation thingy and uh, the uh, cockpit voice recorder and some other uh, data uh, clearly um, showed that the crew was not on top of what was going on and uh, the uh, the fifteen hundred hour uh, requirement still ex- was in place even then, uh, but I'm wondering if there was some uh, trick that the FO uh, on this flight um, did not have to have had only a commercial but less than fifteen hundred hours. I don't I don't remember all the details. Right. But the the requirement coming out of out of, out of that Buffalo crash. Um, um, was designed to prevent those kinds of crashes from happening again. Um, they have not happened again since that rule was put into place. Mm-hmm. And now people want to relax it, raising the specter of we're going to ha- we're going to see more crashes like this, and uh, like the Buffalo crash, I should say. And a lot of people, myself included, are like, you know. Um, isn't safety really the critical factor here and not um, making schedules and, 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 and some other things that are going on? So maybe we should not be changing this rule. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's kind of sort of where I come down if you're yeah. anyone is interested. But, Makes uh, sense to me. Uh, Seems yeah, the flip side of which is there is a pilot shortage. Yeah. Um, there, there is, you know, regionals are having a tough time filling, filling the cockpit seats. I totally get that. Um, but... Um, Maybe the solution is uh, somewhere in the middle here or somewhere opposite the idea of, of relaxing the standards. Yeah, that, seemed, that makes sense to me. I, I think, And I think this is clearly an area where our listeners can, you know, if you're at all interested in this, educate yourself a little bit about the issues and uh, and then reach out yeah, to your I'm, representatives. I'm giving, yeah, yeah, I'm just giving a, a really brief and probably yeah, correct yeah. overview. And, well, so. not that so much, but I'm not necessarily, you know, I mean, so listen to Jeb. Jeb may, Jeb's probably right, if you ask me, all right? Not that, don't tell him I said that, okay? Yeah, yeah. But, but it'll, be our, it'll be our secret. Yeah, but um, but maybe Jeb influences you. Maybe somebody else influences you. But you know, this is a good example of where we can reach out to our representatives and 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 have some influence. So uh, uh, okay, well there you yeah, go. There, All right, there's a lot of goodies in that. In, in apparently, that, certainly in the House version. I don't know about I haven't read the Senate version, but yeah, a lot of good goodies in yeah. that in the uh, FAA reauthorization. Well, we'll put a link to the in the immediate story that we were just talking about in the show notes, and uh, and I'm sure if you uh, duck duck go the subject matter um you'll find more um, faa reauthorization if nothing else okay yeah, yeah. interesting thank you uh-huh. um 
Oshkosh, Oshkosh. It's that time. Of it the, is. Yeah. It's almost that time. Oshkosh begins in just about a month from now, I guess. Um, and uh, um, we're both going to be back there. This is uh, um, the first time both of us have been there at the same time since before the pandemic. This is your yeah. fir- very first time since the pandemic, right? Yes, it is. And uh, I went two years ago and then missed last summer. So uh, we're both going to be there. Um, it's uh, We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be hanging out with our friends in Camp Bacon, um, in, in Camp Scholar, um, the uh, Camp Bacon uh, encampment of uh, of online people. And a camp within a camp. A camp within a camp. And uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, 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 as far as UCAP activities are concerned, for starters, we're going to be doing daily episodes every, almost every day, basically every day throughout the entire week. Doesn't daily mean every day? Well, it does, but we, yes. But we, we fudge that a little bit? Well, the I, horror, I the horror. Not, yeah, I would not go so far as to say we fudge it. I think we have it, we have developed an alt, altered definition of daily we have we're on a different tempo that's right yes exactly a different tempo um and uh, so but i'm you know i mean i'm just thinking we're going to do a lot we do and we have for the last couple years that we've been there we do dailies most every day um that we're there at oshkosh we do them a little less often at sun and fun but we do them most every day at oshkosh um so dailies will happen um we are going to revive the tie-down party. We haven't done the tie-down party since before the pandemic. Um, and uh, so really, really looking forward to that. The tie-down party this year, as it was down in Florida um, during Sun and Fun, the tie-down party will also be a memorial gathering uh, in remembrance of our departed friend, Dave Higdon. Whatever um, you do, don't call it a wake. Yeah, no, I don't think. No, because first of all, Dave will hate that idea, right? You know, wherever he yeah, is, he he's going to he's gonna look down lightning bolts or I don't know what. But uh, um, so Ooh, uh, that would be cool. I wouldn't though, huh? Um, and uh, so uh, that'll be on Thursday evening during um, Oshkosh week, uh, probably around 6 p.m. until whenever. Um, uh, we haven't officially settled on the location yet, but I'm, I'd am i almost put money on the fact that we're going to go back to the location where we've been doing it for years mm-hmm. now. It's just, it's just such a nice location, yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, which is just outside the uh, gate at the northwest corner of the field, um, sometimes called the Super 8 gate because, right. because it's there at the Super 8 Hotel. Um, and, uh, so six o'clock on, on Thursday till whenever, um, and, um, uh, and come on over and we'll have some beer and soft drinks and, and cheesy poofs and, uh, and, uh, we'll start to, you know, get reacquainted with all the friends that we haven't seen in three, four years, too long. Too um, long. Yeah. so that'll be tie down party. Um, also in, in memory of our, of our friend Dave, um, there are two permanent, um, sort of things that are happening there at Oshkosh that we're very pleased to, to tell you about. One is that if, if you're familiar with the grounds of, of AirVenture, um, there's an a- area called the Brown Arch, which is one of, it's actually the original way, go way, way back. It was the main entrance to the fly-in, to the, uh, you know, the fly-in area. Um, and now it's just kind of a, 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 you know, kind of a central meeting point. Um, but it's a great big brown wooden arch that says Experimental Aircraft Association. Um, just ask, if you don't know where it is, just ask. And so they'll, t- they'll point you to it. And on the ground um, in front of the Brown Arch for years now, they've been adding uh, engraved stones um, in memory of various people and friends and things that are, that are that have have left us. And I'm very pleased to say that there will be a stone, actually a pair of stones um, there in honor of Dave Higdon. And that's going to be very cool. A pair of stones. That has to be the, uh, the title, <laughs> episode title. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. All right. Family. 
podcast, family podcast. Uh, um, but man, he had. Oh, never mind. Okay. Uh, what? What were you going to say? I said no, I wasn't going to say anything. Okay. Uh, so check out the uh, the the memorial there for Dave Higdon. Also, we're pleased to say that uh, you may uh, a little bit less on the beaten path, but um, over near the museum area, over near Pioneer Airport on the grounds there, um, there is what's called the EAA Memorial Wall. Um, it is, is a beautiful stone um, wall with many, many bronze plaques um, mounted on it. Um, and I'm pleased to say that a plaque will be added there in memory of our friend Dave Higdon. Um, and so if you're over in that area, when you're over in that area, um, seek that out. I I think it's already, or it will be up by the time. I think, I think that's correct, um, yeah. But uh, um, it certainly will be there eventually. And uh, two very fitting memorials and, and remembrances of, of someone who was not only our friend, but was a huge contributor to general aviation and, and just flying in general. And um, who, who was a huge... Um fan of and participant in uh, the uh, the Air Venture episode itself. It, absolutely uh, Air, Air, true. Air itself. Absolutely true. He loved <clears throat> Air Venture. He loved Sun and Fun too, but he loved Air Venture. Um, so, uh, so that's going to be happening. Um, so we're going to be there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good Oshkosh. Um, and uh, already hearing some some rumors or announcements about things are going to be be going on there this week, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, if you're planning on flying in, as we always say, read the notum, um, even though it's not called a notum I, I've anymore. I've got my hard copy right here in front you, of me. You do? Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, have you had a chance to digest it at all? I have not. I, I've, I've scanned it. Uh, early on, and it's like, oh God, I got to sit down with this. Now, often there's a sort of significant changes sidebar inside the first couple pages. Is there such a thing there? Let me, let me tell you. And I, I'm I'm sure there is. Uh, he, he says as he slices open the envelope. Um, uh, okay. So let's see. Um, pre-flight planning. Um, there is nothing jumps out at me as a changes page. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry. There is. There's on the on the cover. Uh, Fond du Lac diversion procedure has been removed. Okay. Uh, the ultralight pattern has changed. Okay. Uh, and um, based on my quick perusal uh, and um, comparing that with previous years' uh, notums, previous years' documents, years' documents. Um, there's more detail. The graphics are cleaner. Oh. Um, and it's, it just seems a little bit better organized. Um, um, so, you know, that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Cool. So it's really important that you, uh, if you're planning it's, on it's flying a, in. Yeah, oh God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, beyond important, it's, it's, it is literally a requirement. Um, and it's a good requirement. You should take it very seriously. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you um, don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and have it with you in the aircraft so that you can refer to it as you're arriving and you can refer to it as needed. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, put, put a PDF copy on your phone, on your, on your EFB, um, print out a hard copy and stash it behind the seat just in case the, the other hard copy that you got from EAA blows out the window. Yeah, um, exactly. Do all that. Yeah. Cool. Look forward to seeing everybody at, at Oshkosh uh, this year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah. What else? Pick another one. A la carte. Um, column A, column B. There are no columns. Let's folks. see. It's just. Uh, oh, yeah, there's another, you know, cont- uh, chapter 37 in the continuing saga yeah. of oh. the city of St. Petersburg, Florida's uh, efforts to uh, yeah. 
look at. Let's, we're just asking questions. You know, maybe should we really have Whitted Airport there, right, right on the waterfront, where all that real estate is just sitting there waiting to be developed? I know, huh? I know. Shameful, shameful it, it's, misuse it is shameful. of of, uh, of uh, waterfront so, property. Yeah, yeah. So there's a. There's a local politician in St. Pete who's um, uh, I live. He's like the mayor, even, isn't he? I, mean, I think it might be the mayor. Just, um, I was reading the story I, earlier let me, today. Let me, let me just. Yeah. Um, yeah, St. Petersburg, Ken Welsh. Yeah. Um, and apparently so, his daughter has never visited that airport. As a result, it must go. No exactly. Joke. No exactly. joke. That's, that's almost that's, the story. That's, that's pretty much yeah. um, the, the, uh, the uh, reasoning behind this. Um but it's all, you know, apparently he's he's not the mayor of St. Petersburg. He's the mayor of the developers of St. Petersburg and is, is using uh, that as yes, a basis, of course, to yeah. to um, to uh, move forward on this. But um, a fairly lengthy story here in, mm-hmm. uh, in a local um, business-oriented uh, uh, publication um, about uh, closing the airport. And uh, it's the, the, uh, the comments, feedback... On, on this mm-hmm. was was almost uniformly uh, opposed to closing closing the airport. And yeah. In fact, the article itself goes on to uh, mentions that in 2003, St. Petersburg residents ultimately voted against the proposed redevelopment, um, and it was uh, not really that close a vote, yeah. uh, as I recall. Yeah. Um, so it's. You know, it's it's back, yeah, you know, I know. Right. Um, right. kind of thing, and and uh, this is why um, uh, we have organizations like AOPA and EAA and da 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 da, who who uh, react to these things and try to represent us at both the national, state, and local levels, um, and. Uh, um, they have a lot, they have their work cut out for them, right? Right. So uh, one thing that jumped up for me or caught my attention in this story, kind of good news, bad news, kind of thing. So I read these stories, and I'm always I, in my back of my mind. There's a voice going, "You know, you can't close the airport, right? Because you've taken money from the FAA, right? Well, and, yeah, they, they have to start. To, you know, there's a twenty year clock, right? But the interesting part is in this story, it made mention to the fact that the mayor is attempting to not take the latest money from the FAA, right. so as to not extend that that right. period even right. longer right. um which is you know it's still a long ways out i mean like they've got it, the 40s i think is what they said in the story was when the soonest they could close it assuming the faa doesn't doesn't you know does object which they usually do right um so anyways yeah and it's like I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're preaching to the choir here because our listeners sure. know that this, these are good things, these airports. But just if people ask you, keep in, you know, this, the story is not a complicated one, all right? These are not playgrounds for rich people, all right? These are places that people of all economic levels, most economic levels, admittedly some lower, but, but a lot of economic levels keep their airplanes either for recreational or for business purposes, plus the airport is a business engine, if you will. All right, there's a lot of important work. You know, there are jobs there, and it supports the the neighborhoods and that kind of thing. And then finally, the really to me one of the most important things is is that it is an emergency facility. Yeah. Um, and good goodness gracious, St. Petersburg is like like poster child for a place that's going to need an airport one day because yeah. they will get cut off by something. A hurricane will take out the big bridge or or whatever, all right? These people are, 
you know, this airport, if it hasn't already, and it probably has, will save lives someday. All right. Um, so that's the story I think you tell people who are who don't don't understand. Yeah. Um, we should be building more of these, not yeah, fewer of them. Yeah. Not, not paving over the ones we have. Just looking at the lead photo <laughs> on this story, um, the aircraft, and you're talking about the. Uh, the, the fat cats versus uh, the non-fat cats and, and uh, having airplanes and whatnot. The the image uh, is of the ramp, and this is kind of Jack. You're this is the the uh, the balcony of the restaurant that we yeah. have lunch at when we yeah. fly up there. Yep. He's looking down on the ramp, yeah. and uh, the, the the airplane in the foreground is a 172. Mm-hmm. Next to it is a Malibu. Yeah. And far away on the other side of the ramp, there's an air coop, and there's everything in between. Yeah. On, on this ramp at this particular point in time, there's a Cirrus, there's a Mooney, there's a uh, looks like a, a Seminole, uh, a Cherokee, uh, another Cirrus, something like that. And, and you and I have sat there and we've watched um, helicopter tours um, depart and return. Yep. We've watched. There's a there used to be a Stearman uh, sightseeing uh, operation. Mm-hmm. I've seen that before. I've seen EMS come and go. Uh, there's a lot of training that goes on there. Uh, it's a s- vibrant, dynamic, uh, urban general aviation airport and uh, um, contributes to the economy as it is, not as it could be with, with high rises. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just one more story there. And, and, you know, at least we got another 20 years going on, and, right. and uh, that's a good thing. And but, I want to uh, see them, ref- I want to see local politicians continue every year for now forever to turn down federal money come on they're not yeah, really you know this is like it's going to be overwhelming and they'll start the clock again and i don't know maybe i'm being too too well, uh you know pollyannish about this because i you know we i mean then of course there's the the reed hillview example which also has mm-hmm. faa restrictions but is the locals are managing to kill it you know, slowly yeah, anyways. There, um, yeah, there are ways to kill off an airport yeah. uh, inside the Santa Monica years. as well um, is another example of one that's being, you know. Um, these I don't want to, you know, get too descriptive, but uh, um, because, you know, because I'm sure the mayor's listening. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing, too, is is um, the the main runway uh, at this at, at Whitted um, also serves as a straightaway when for the uh, St. Pete Grand Prix. Yeah, it's a car race thing. Yeah, car race thing. And yeah. there's bleachers set up and on the taxiway and all this kind of thing. Um, so it, it's not just an airport. It's not just a place to go to have lunch uh, or something like that. There's there's a lot of of tourist attractions just in walking distance. Yeah. It, that's the, the other airport. thing that makes this one really unique is that uh-huh. it's, it's it's not even on the edge of town. I mean, it's like the it's at the edge of downtown, all right. right. Um, and right. yeah, you can you, you it's certainly an easy lift ride, um, and it's you oh, know it's yeah. a, a, and walking distance to a lot of interesting things. There's, there's a uh, Salvador Dali museum. There's a, a concert hall. Oh well, venue. that puts me right over the top, right there. Let's go. Right, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, yeah. So, but nevertheless, it's you know, if, especially if you li- if you happen to live in Florida or or even in the St. Pete, you know, um, um, area, um, you know, maybe maybe a word to the to to your local reps or whatever that uh, to remind them of how valuable these small airports are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else? One more. We're running out of. We're reaching the end of our lot of time here. The end of our a lot of time. Yeah. Um. um 
It's I, your turn to choose. Yeah, I know. And I thought I had one here. I was just looking at the list and I thought, well, we should talk about that. Oh, I want to. Um, Florida Airport offers incentives for pilots to buy UL-94 fuel. Okay. Now, this just, I don't know, this is kind of an ongoing, confusing thing to me. So UL-94 is not the GAMI fuel that we talked about a couple That's episodes correct. ago. Um, is UL-94 Swift fuel or is it something else altogether? Um I don't have that answer. Yeah. And um, according to this article, this is an article from General Aviation News, um, that um, the UL-94 also requires an STC in order uh-huh. to fuel it, um, which that one took me a little bit by surprise because I thought that, you know, part of the conversation we had with uh, George Brawley a couple episodes ago, um, it seemed like going the STC route was unique somehow. But apparently UL-94 has gone the STC route as well. Um, and... Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so this 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 should be happening more. You know, although we're making progress on hundred low lead alternatives, this is a really complicated problem. And uh, Naples Airport, just down the road from you, Naples Airport, um, is yeah, it's uh, a long road, but yeah, yeah, it's true. It's beyond uh, uh, Fort Myers, Fort Myers isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but still, it's in Florida, so that must be close. Um, Everything's got to be close. Uh, it's according to this story, it is now one of three airports in Florida and the 35th airport in the country to offer this hundred low lead, low lead alternative. Um, but they're apparently offering some sort of discount or subsidy or something like that, which good, good for them. This is the way you got to yeah. do it. You know, we've got to like break the, I don't know what the right metaphor, break the ice, um, um, you know, open the door, we've got to get thing, get the ball rolling, you know, pop uh, the cherry. Yeah, okay. See, there you go again. <laughs> There you go again. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, good for them. And uh, still waiting to hear the first airport to be pumping um, Gammy's fuel. But, It'll be in California. I uh, certainly will be in California. But I'm surprised I haven't heard it yet. Um, but uh, not. Um, I don't think I've heard it yet. I haven't heard it yet. And kind of waiting. We might we, let's put it. To, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we hear something momentous on this topic at Oshkosh. That's that is a very likely you know, thing. So, anyways, this is uh, so. If you're in the area in uh, Naples or that's sort of southern southwestern Florida area, yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, you're so inclined, go get some discounted uh, Avgas. And, yeah, uh, you do you need an STC? You need the STC, and, and you might. You probably. Well, I won't say might or probably. It's it's entirely possible you're flying an airplane that is not eligible for that STC. Yeah. And and therefore could not avail itself of the UL-94 gas. Yeah. Yeah. This is a swift fuel, by the way. I looked it up. It, it is not. It is. It is swift fuel. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So, uh, um, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Slow progress, but progress nevertheless. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the picture here shows them it being an aircraft being fueled. Presumably, wait a minute, what does it say? That's yeah, a, it does the placard on the that's truck. That's an LSA. Uh, yeah, and uses a Rotax, yeah. and therefore is eligible for. Well, the, the thing I found remarkable is that he they, they this particular instance they're fueling from a truck, and I just right. think that's going to be such the, the 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 common situation for some time to come. I, I can't. I'm going to be really surprised if we see many fixed tanks, you know, kind of ground based tanks that have these new fuels in them. Yeah, it's it's. Um... The rule today, the rule of thumb for me today is uh, uh, unless you're at a big city airport like Naples, um, <clears throat> there are no trucks anymore. I used to work at a small airport at pumping gas. Yeah. Uh, and we had uh, uh, two trucks. 
One was Avgas. It had both 80 and 100. Uh, this you know, this, this really? takes you back a ways. Yeah. yeah. It had 80, 87 octane in one uh, portion of the truck and had 100, 130 in another portion of the truck. There mm-hmm. were two hoses. There were two meters. There yeah. were two pumps, yada, yada. And they let you, they gave you and, and, the responsibility against, of against, doing it right. Against all cu- guidance to the contrary, they <laughs> let me both drive the truck and pump the gas. I seem to remember, though, there are stories about you and that truck. Uh, maybe that's not a podcast story. Um, but, uh... <laughs> well, the statute of limitations has long since expired, but I don't remember any real stories um, um, that I shared what... with you that yeah, you would okay. know uh, right, uh, right, about right. that time of, yeah, of okay. my life. Anyways, but, uh, um, um, yeah, but this trip, the picture in the uh, NGA News uh, website here um, clearly shows the truck being placarded for unleaded UL94, and uh, um, and and they're pumping it into this uh, this aircraft, uh-huh. LSA aircraft. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, so there, yeah, there you go. So anyway, uh, that, that's a whole other topic um, of. Uh, 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 let's put it another way: um, the, the 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 transition, shall we say, yeah, from leaded to unleaded uh, aviation gasolines is uh, a whole other topic. We have and probably will do entire episodes on this topic in the, in the future. Yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, and our our George Brawley episode was very very well received. Um, it was very uh, popular. Yeah, yeah, it was listened to by a lot of people. If you haven't yet, um, give it a listen. It, some interesting facts um, came out, and uh, an interesting story, an interesting narrative about the how they developed that, and and some of the the, the obstacles that they had to overcome, and and mm-hmm. did manage to overcome. It's a pretty interesting story. Um, that was uh, for now. I, I'm, I, I suddenly wanted to tell them the episode number, but I can't remember what it was. Wait a minute, where to go? Well, it's here? a shame we don't have some. No. Oh, we do, we do. Hang on a second here. Um, It was UCAP 1069, um, long winding road to G100UL, um, back from late April. So uh, check it out. Check it out. All right. I think we're done. We done? Uh, Stick a fork in me. Fork time. That's Jeb, Jeb Burnside. Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor. He serves as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine for like a hundred years now, right? Aren't you going to make like a big-time decimal anniversary soon? Um. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about that. All right. He's also a frequent um, contributor to I, other... I wanted to sneak up on some things. Um, but okay. Yeah, All yeah. right. Oops, sorry. Oops. No, that's that's okay. He's no. also a frequent contributor to other aviation publications. Uh, and uh, you can find Jeb's work online at aviationsafetymagazine.com, also at abweb.com and aea.net, among many others. On social media, he's Burnside J on Twitter. And uh, his magazine, Aviation Safety Magazine, is absafetymag on Twitter. On Mastodon, he is Burnside J at mytransponder.com. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me on most of the uh, the socials, they call it the kids. The kids now say the socials, the uh, on the socials, um, on Twitter. The kids today. Yeah. Um, by the one, all the one word, username Jack Hodgson, for example. Twitter, Jack Hodgson. YouTube, Jack Hodgson. Patreon, Jack Hodgson. Uh, in the Fediverse, I am Jack Hodgson at mastodon.social. 
Um, you can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the books section. Um, and uh, thank you everyone for taking the time to listen. Uh, you can follow UCAP in the Fediverse at Uncontrolled Airspace at mytransponder.com. Um, and if possible, please become a supporter of this podcast at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. Or you can make a PayPal tip, dar- tip jar donation, care of the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Just 10 or 15 dollars spread over the span of a year is a really big big help in helping in supporting us to do this podcast we also love to hear from you so you can use that same email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com you can send us your comments and questions and corrections um and anyways so um jeb any words of wisdom for us yeah i just wanted to to comment that you might think you're flying an airplane you're not you're actually using a weather modification machine you get in it, close the door, manipulate the controls for a couple of hours, open the door, and the weather's changed. Yep. Yep. There you go. It's magic. It's magic. magic. And that's enough talking. Let's go. Uh, I was going to say, let's go weather changing. Let's go flying. <laughs>